Most of you know that we have four children, and when we get a half dozen donuts, I always have one, and that means that there's one left over. And so there's conversation from time to time about what to do with that one, but I remember one particular time when the donut had set in the box for several hours already that day, and one of the kids, I don't even remember which one, came through and said, who's that donut for? I said, I don't know. And that one said, can I have it? I said, sure. And they ate the whole thing. Well, you can imagine that when the next kid came through and noticed that the donut box was empty of the one donut that had been there for some time, that person asked me, what happened to that donut? And I said, oh, I gave it to so-and-so. Why? Well, they asked. That's what I think of when I hear of today's story with James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who come to Jesus and ask that they might be at his right hand and at his left when, they, when Jesus comes into his kingdom. Indeed, the common interpretation of this gospel story is focused on James and John's selfishness, their desire to have these seats of honor. And who do they think they are asking for such seats? I think it is a faithful way of interpretation to understand it, reflecting on James and John's actions as selfish. You might find it interesting to know that the other Gospels, the other synoptics, also have this story and tell it a little bit differently. The synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and Mark was the first one written, the one that we read today. In Matthew's Gospel, it is James and John's mom who goes to Jesus and asks that they might have those seats. In Luke's Gospel, it's just the disciples that dispute among themselves who is the greatest. When we look at the Gospels telling each of a particular story, we can recognize that there's an emphasis of the Gospel teller in the telling of the story in this particular way. And so I want to look at it from Mark's perspective, James and John, the two of them, coming to Jesus and prefacing what they're about to say with a statement. We want you to do for us whatever it is that we ask. I would like to be a little sympathetic to James and John. If we're quick to look at them as just greedy and selfish, then we can pray with the best of the righteous and say, Oh Lord, thank you that I'm not like them. Thank you that I'm not like James and John, always trying to get things for myself. No, I think of the common good, and I'm more altruistic. And if ever I'm striving for something, it's really for the benefit of other people. Yes, we could find ourselves praying with the most righteous among us this prayer of holy thanksgiving and deliverance that we're not like them, James and John. But if we're sympathetic to them, they might help us see something about who we are in relationship to God and who we are in relationship to God's work in Christ. You see, I think that perhaps they really did have good intentions at heart. I would like to imagine that James and John really believe in Jesus' work. They're excited about the kingdom that he's going to come into. They've been listening to him teach, and they want what he has promised will be delivered in his reign. That the poor will have all that they need. That sorrow will be no more. That orphans and widows and all the vulnerable will be provided for. They say, yes, that's the kingdom we want to be a part of. 
and they're brothers. And so I imagine that they've had conversations about this from time to time, kind of offline, if you will, about how to help make this happen. Let's see, perhaps, they said. You know, we're going to have to figure out who our allies are on this. And you're really good, James, at this part. Or, John, you're really good at this part. We could help Jesus in this way. And then we've got to figure out what to do to address our enemies, because every kingdom has them. And perhaps they batted around some ideas about that, too. And they came up, maybe, with some ideas. Most of them really good, but some of them maybe Jesus might not go for too terribly much. I mean, based on the teachings they've heard him say to date. But perhaps James and John consoled one another and said, look, don't the ends justify the means? I mean, sometimes it's just not pretty. And so they approach Jesus, I imagine, and they say, first of all, we want you to do whatever it is we ask. They want to come into Christ's kingdom with him, one at his right and one at his left, because they believe in him. And they have a good idea or two. And they have an agenda that they would like to help make happen for the glory of God in Christ. Jesus invites them to ask their question, what is it you want? And they tell him. He tries to let them down a little easy and says, in essence, you really don't know what you're asking for. And they say, well, yeah, actually we do. And Jesus agrees that perhaps they do more than, knew more than he gives them credit for. But he tells them it's not his to grant. He can't give them those seats. Because his kingdom is not like that. And then he goes in to teach about what his kingdom will be about. And that all of our agendas in Christ's kingdom are in service to God's agenda. And God's agenda is love. Now, hearing that, I imagine some of you say, oh gosh, that love thing again. I think the disciples felt the same way. Like, that's all nice and things. But seriously, we've got problems here. What are we supposed to do about this? And we have people that are willing to do something. How are we supposed to respond to this? We want to play on your team, but we're not sure how to. Jesus tells his disciples and thus tells us that all that we do has to be in service to God's agenda, which is love. And that agenda will drive our actions. And it will call us up short at times. And it will mobilize us when we don't want to be mobilized sometimes. Because it's all in service to God's love. This is where I feel like we have the best invitation for our prayer lives. We can bring our prayers to God in great detail, with great specificity. After all, James and John did. They told Jesus exactly what they wanted. He asked them. And if you read in scripture, he does that a lot with people. He asks them, what do you want? And so they are invited to answer. A woman called me once to tell me of how a prayer did not get answered for her son as she had hoped. And she had prayed fervently. She'd been a part of a prayer team, been active in prayer together for many years. This woman was seasoned in her Christian life, many decades already invested in following Jesus. And yet, this prayer did not come to fruition as she had hoped, as she had prayed. 
and it rocked her to the core. She couldn't understand why it was that this prayer hadn't happened as she had hoped, because it was a good prayer. She had looked at it over and over again to see if there was any pride or selfishness in it at all, and there wasn't. It was a good prayer. It wanted the best that she could even imagine for her son, and that is why she prayed it. But she was struck with discomfort at the fact that it hadn't been answered in the way that she had expected. She was confused and frustrated by this fact. And she wondered out loud to me, what does this mean? Because she, a woman of faith, didn't feel like she had much at that time. Indeed, when we pray a particular prayer, we are coming to God with our agenda. And sometimes God says, well, that's nice, but I actually have something better in mind. In service to God's love is what I'm after. God's love is the agenda. And God's love asks for more and gives more than what you had in mind. I know that this is true in my own life. I've been known a few times to come to God with a really great idea. I mean, really good. And I have looked at it all, and I've set deadlines, and there are measurables, and they're good things, really things that God would get behind, I'm sure. And I say that really with all compassion for myself, because as many times as I've learned to let go of my agenda, I still draft a new one, and it's really as good at least as the one before. But we all do that, and it is in prayer that I have learned to be pried away from that particular agenda in service to God's love. We are invited into this kingdom. And this kingdom does have enemies, and it does have allies. But they're not as familiar as boundaries that we have known in kingdoms past. The ground of God's kingdom is God's love. That's the ground on which we all stand. And that's the agenda that God is driving into the world. God's love. What does God's love ask of you? What does love ask of you in this time of challenge, in this quandary? What's love inviting you to do? Listen, God is inviting you into love. Henry Nouwen, the late Henry Nouwen, wrote a beautiful little book called The Spirituality of Fundraising. And in it he says, those that have resources and those who have needs meet on the common ground of God's love. That's where we stand in this kingdom, on the love of God made known to us in Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are invited into this kingdom, and I invite you to pray your agenda. Bring it to God in great detail, because you know what? God will either fulfill it, because it's the best thing for God's love to be advanced, or God won't, because there's still something better in order for God's love to be advanced. Either way, you're in the kingdom. We are invited to come to share with God what it is we long for. You know, that woman that I mentioned before who had prayed so fervently called me again some several weeks later because God had done something for her son that she did not expect, but it met the desire of her heart. She was astounded. Her prayer had been answered, not according to the outline and the agenda that she had set forth, but in some way much richer, 
much more fruitful than she had even imagined. This is the kingdom that we're in. As followers of Christ, this is the kingdom God is establishing in and through us. And so we are invited to come alongside of God in our prayers, to bring to God our desires, even our agenda. And God and God's love will work something beautiful out of it, and we will get to be a part of it. Amen.